Welcome to Positivity Strategist, a podcast that injects a good deal of optimism and possibility into your life at home and at work. Conversations with thought leaders and everyday people shine the light on what works and amplifies those everyday micro moments of positivity, irrespective of what else is going on. You'll be energized by lots of practical tips, inspiring you to live a truly satisfying and meaningful life. Welcome to Positivity Strategist, and I'm your host, Robin stratton Kessel. I have a question for you. What was your last conversation like? The conversation you remember before you started listening to this episode. It may have been minutes ago or hours ago or maybe even days ago. So whenever it was, how might you describe that conversation? Was it uplifting and energising? Was the tone good? Did it go in a direction you both wanted? Or was it just blah, neutral and nothing special? You know, same old, same old, just going through the motions. Or was it upsetting and negative and left you drained of energy and frustrated and feeling stuck? And I wonder, what are the majority of your conversations like? Uh, Is the majority of your conversations, are they worth having? And what percentage of your conversations are worth having? So I'm going to invite you to hold that statistic, that percentage of what percentage of conversations you have are worth having, and we'll circle back to that because I want to introduce you to two women who will help us get clarity around what it takes to have a conversation worth having. They've co-authored a book on it, and the book is entitled Conversations Worth Having using appreciative inquiry to fuel productive and meaningful engagement. It's published in May 2018 by Barrett Kohler. And I'm so happy to welcome you two women to Positivity Strategist. Sherry Torres, welcome for the first time. Thank you so much. It is such a joy to be here talking with you today. Thank you. Wonderful, Sherry. Now, Sherry has been working with organizations in every sector to support effective leadership, team excellence, and culture change. And Sherry has trained thousands of trainers and teachers in the use and the practice of appreciative inquiry. And to my second guest today, I'm welcoming for the second time, Jackie Stavros. Welcome. Thank you, Robin. Always a delight to be with you and Sherry. (laughs) Wonderful. And um, Jackie was on a previous episode, and and you might remember that Jackie's full-time professor of management at the Lawrence Technical University, and she works across all sectors and in a variety of industries in leadership development, strategic planning, organization development, and change using appreciative inquiry and SOAR. SOAR, S-O-A-R, and that in fact was the topic of our previous episode. Now Jackie's presented her research and her work and trained others in appreciative inquiry and the SOAR change or strategic planning methodology in over 25 countries. And you know what is so magnificent that this is the second book that Sherry and Jackie have co-authored. 
And I'd love to know what that means to you both. Jackie, why don't you jump in and say what it is working with Sherry and co-authoring a second book. How has that been so amazing for you? Um, It's amazing in that when I think of the first book we did, um, when Sherry and I first met, it was about, it was dynamic relationships using the power of appreciative inquiry and daily living. And we were developing a relationship focusing on the um, principles of appreciative inquiry. And if you fast forward, 15 years have gone by and Sherry and I began to have a conversation about writing together again. And I couldn't pick a better partner in the world to write with, have conversations with, who is just um, plays to all the things I can't do. So it's kind of if you take strengths to strengths, what happened is we magnified into this book conversations worth having. So I feel really honored and blessed that um, she was up to doing another book. And Sherry, what might you say about working and co-authoring again with Jackie? In addition to what she has said very eloquently, um, one of the things that I absolutely love about working with Jackie is the her commitment to the practice of what it is that we're writing about and her ability to ask questions and stay in things when they're sticky. And together we push through, in both books, we push through a lot of questions and feedback that were very challenging for us. The other thing that I really value, Jackie mentioned briefly the the kind of complementarity of our skills, and it really was a perfect um, match in terms of what was necessary for writing this book. We, we overlapped in just the right areas, and we each brought the strengths absolutely necessary to create this new book. Wow. And Sherry, how did you come up with the idea to write a book about conversations worth having? We we started off to uh, take our most uh, recent book together, the Dynamic Relationships book, and to update it. And when we got into updating it, we realized that we had really Uh, evolved in our thinking and the way we worked with clients and the way Jackie taught. There were some different ideas that we wanted to bring forward. And then when we began working with Barrett Kohler, our editor, Steve Parasanti, asked some of the most insightful and amazing questions that made us think really clearly about What is the message that we're trying to convey? We were trying to bring together something that would that would bring appreciative inquiry to the general public because we know how powerful this approach can be. And Steve really continued to ask us questions and challenge us to make this simple and easy and direct. And it so helped clarify. I think both of our thinking and to simplify appreciative inquiry down into something that anyone can pick up and begin practicing to make changes in their personal life and their work life. 
Yeah, and I think that's very evident. So what a great editor you were blessed with. We were. (laughs) Yeah, and Jackie, I wondered, is there anything that became clearer to you as you, you know, dived into it or dove into it, is that correct? Um, And you did your research and you came up with the stories about um, worthwhile conversations. I would say that we thought it was about relationships and we learned that it was about conversations. And if you think about it, we're having a conversation right now. I had a conversation in my head this morning about how this interview podcast would go. So conversations are happening just about anywhere, anytime. And I would say writing this book with Sherry is always a very um, humbling and it's a very collaborative process and that we and at times we engaged in what I would say were um, some real meaningful conversations until we could have clarity on how do you simply bring appreciative inquiry into your conversations so that it is productive and that people are thriving and flourishing and the engagement is meaningful. Mm, Yeah. You say in your book that conversations worth having are appreciative and inquiry-based. I mean, that's foundational. So maybe, Jackie, you could expand on that a little bit. So one of the things our editor, Steve, challenged us with was the simplicity of a framework for conversations. And we looked at the nature of our conversations in general can be appreciative or depreciative. And then they could be inquiry-based or Mm statement-based. So we knew, and and in our book, we have this um, matrix right in the second chapter that says at least 80% of the time you want or more your conversations to be appreciative and inquiry-based. And those are the conversations worth having. And then in the framework, we talk about there's critical conversations, superficial conversations, and how do you move these conversations into appreciative inquiry-based conversations. And we also bring up some conversations are destructive. And those conversations, I believe, are the toughest to move. And sometimes you walk away from those conversations or you work really hard to bring them into a conversation worth having. Yeah. And, you know, that's something I really appreciated um, in the book is that you expose us not only to the appreciative conversations and, you know, show the high points and the value of appreciative inquiry, but you expose us to these depreciative conversations. And, and I personally think it's it's so timely that in AI we're beginning to talk about how we can learn from times of greatest difficulty and despair and when we're upset, as well as talking about times of exceptionality and excellence. Because when we can do that, um, it opens us up to value our wholeness as people. You know, as a community, as organisations, as civilizations, and we're far from perfect. So I love that the fact that you're talking about the good and the bad and the positive and the negative and you give examples of all of that. And, you know, and there's compassion and self-interest and there's generosity and greed. And so you contrast the um, appreciative conversation that are affirmative with the depreciative conversations, you know, just, just to make sure that we're being fully inclusive here. Um, and I just want to share something that made me sit up and take notice was the example, and I'm going to quote now from the book, of a seemingly benign kitchen remark such <laughs> as, sweetheart, 
why don't you use just one pan? It'll be so much easier and less work in the end. And how that apparent innocent trying to be helpful remark can launch a cascade of undesired results and friction. So say more about that. Well, I, I think that um, the dynamics of relationships are pretty complex and a, a simple remark doesn't just fall out there Un, unattached to anything. A remark comes out and it comes out from a context of the person who is making the remark. Um, and it falls on the ears of someone else who hears it within the context of all other conversations mm -hmm. that they have had with that person. When that happens, People will bring their stories, their perceptions, their assumptions from previous stories and previous experiences into making meaning of what that comment is. So it's not enough to just have an intention to offer helpfulness. If there's potential for it to be received as criticism or being heard as judgment, then the impact that that comment has is very different than what the intention is. And so that dynamic of how we engage in conversations worth having really requires people to be conscious, aware, and paying attention not only to where they're coming from, but how they are impacting the person they're engaged with as well. Hmm. That's so well said. Thank you so much, Sherry. And I might come back to that. Because, but before I do that, I, I just want to give you the opportunity. So whoever wants to jump in here, Jackie or um, Sherry, you know, very early on, you talk about, you know, to have a conversation worth having, it takes two simple practices. And so I, you know, positive framing and generative questions. So I'd like you to um, to talk, maybe one of you can talk about the positive framing practice and maybe the other can talk about the generative question practice. Could we go there now? Sure. Um, Sherry, you want me to, how about if sure. I talk about generative questions? So when you think of generative questions, a generative question is something that um, creates new images and possibilities and it, it's a practice of curiosity. Mm -hmm. And and it makes room for very diverse and perspectives saying, you know, I could ask Sherry, well, how do you see it? Um, or we could be surfacing new information and technology and how do we want to manage this this conversation today through Skype? If you think about um, the conversation we had before we got on the phone or what might be possible if we're merging two departments together. So a generative question can focus on the best of what is and what might be and end up with new ways for solving complex problems or compelling images for us to move forward. And so that's one of the simple practices, generative questions in creating uh, conversations worth having. And if, if I could give a quick example related to what we were just talking about, if the, if the woman in the kitchen 
instead of saying, sweetheart, why don't you use one pan? If instead she had gotten curious and said, huh, you know, when I cook, I'm always trying to like use as few pans as possible. What, what is your thinking when you're cooking? And coming from a place of real genuine curiosity, that would be a generative question mm-hmm. that, that might fall a little differently. Mm. Great. Thank you. Mm. Uh, so, Sherry, what about positive framing as the other um, practice for having these conversations worth having? So positive framing is, is simply about focusing your conversation in a direction about what's going to add value. Mm. So talking about what it is you do want instead of what you don't want, or if there is a problem, how do you flip that into the outcome that you want? In the book, we offer a tool called flipping, mm-hmm. which, which shows you how to f- go from the problem and then you flip it to the positive opposite. And then you look at if we have the positive out, if we have the positive opposite of this, what would the outcome be? For instance, if um, someone is always late, the positive opposite when you flip it would be that person is always on time. But what you want to talk about is what, what can we do or what's the outcome for us if everybody is always on time? We can start the meeting on time. Everybody feels respected. So you're, you're having a conversation around something far bigger than just you need to be here on time. And instead, it's how do we have a team where everyone feels respected, where time, everyone's time is valued, where people who have something valued to contribute are always there when it's time for them to be able to contribute. And being there on time is one of perhaps several additional ideas or possibilities that might surface in that conversation. Yeah. And one of the things I really enjoyed are the stories um, that you wove throughout um, the book to bring life to these two practices, positive framing um, and generative questions. And you did that in a range of context because that kept reinforcing the applications of the practices. Um, does Is there one story that maybe you could um, – could could share now as an example for the listeners, the hospital or the bank or um, anyone that might be easy to kind of bring it all together? You know, I was thinking about um, my son Adam turned 18 last week and there's a story about Aiden and Monica in the book about the car and the son coming home late and <laughs> critical. So lots of parents who with teenagers who are driving can relate to this. And what began to happen as um, the story in the book, as Monica flipped the situation, you know, she said in the story something to the... And she's the mother. She's the mother, said, I understand Mm -hmm. why you want the car, but I hope you understand why I am concerned for your safety and well-being. So how do we have a more productive conversation about the use of the car and curfews that allows both of us to feel comfortable um, and then the conversation unfolds from there. And through writing that story has helped me to be a mother who doesn't worry about her son, but that is concerned about her son and that he understands why and doesn't push back. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's a great example. And I like the fact that, it, you, you know, you're crossing all these different contexts when you do that. Um, so I... Um, 
I just want to come back to um, the the story about um, the woman in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> impacted me. I could. I have to be honest. I could hear myself. Oh, me, t- me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I don't cook, so I would wouldn't care. All I have to do is clean the pan. <laughs> yeah, I end up doing that um, a lot too, Jackie. Um, so, and I get. You know, I get asked this a lot by people. Um, you know, people that I'm working with, uh, teaching, training, or whatever. And it's always about, you know, how do I deal with negative people? And, you know, a lot of it is conversational based. So I would love for one of you, both of you, to say how you might coach someone who wants to practice conversations worth having, you know, using positive framing, generative questions, paying attention to the tone and the direction. And yet they have family members or colleagues um, who see them in that certain light, just like you were saying before, Sherry, you know, you have a context or a perception or a history or a story that you overlay onto that person and you are not, you're not shifting. How do you, how do you help person to have a, you know, a a conversation worth having to help them shift out of that stuckness or old story and they can begin to see their conversational partner in a fresh light. So I would, I would say that the most powerful move someone can make if they're in a conversation with somebody that's, that is traditionally being negative or just is constantly negative and they want to shift it is to first make sure that their own mindset is, um, has shifted to a place of being open, open-minded, open-hearted, and open will um, to move from a place of judgment to a place of real, cur- real genuine curiosity. And when you come from a place of curiosity, and if it's really genuine, you're, you can ask questions that will often shift where someone is because you're asking questions about whatever it is they're talking about. One of the stories we have in the book is a real simple one where someone asks a university um, administrator who is talking negatively about a a Mm. project they're trying to implement. Mm. And She's going along with the story because that's what we do. Our mind, you know, that's very often how we bond is around the ain't it awful and the negative. Mm. When she becomes aware that, ah, here I am in this negative conversation again, all she does is ask a simple question. Do you have any faculty members that are on board? (laughs) And it's a, it's that shift in the direction. It's a, it's a genuine question that shifts the direction towards what what the person wants more of. Mm. So sometimes simple questions like, well, what would you rather have happen? Or um, what do you want to do? Or where is it that you want this to go? Mm. If, it, if it was working for you, what would it be mm. like? Mm. Um, so, so often some very simple questions um, and, and not 
negating the person and whatever experience they're having, perhaps even to acknowledge, you know, I can see this really is impacting you significantly. What would it take for you to, that kind of a question, to just being really meet the person where they are, really hear them and be open. And when you're really open and you're open-hearted and open-minded, questions will come if you become genuinely curious about where does this person really want to go? What do they really want? I don't know. I have to ask. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, and being, um, it's not about you, right? So um, Exactly. <laughs> that's yeah, that's a beautiful response, yeah. Um, thank you so much, Sherry. Um, so I'm quoting from the book. I don't know if this is um, David Cooper writers in his intro or I read it somewhere else, but um, I... I like this quote and it says, when you think of conversations worth having, think engagement, interweaving, co-creation, inspiration, respect. Sounds like something, sounds like David. David. It is David. David? Okay. Well, that was, um, I kind of captured that and it's out of context, but I just, uh, I just thought that was a really lovely way of summarizing. But I'm, I'm wondering if um, maybe, Jackie, you could talk about some of the key learnings of the book, you know, the things that you want people to, um, you know, kind of do a high five with or get excited about it or want to go out there and apply straight away. What might, what are some of those key ideas or key learnings? You know, um, I think, I think when we, the book is, if you go back to conversations being the core of how we interact with each other, it shows you how to use the two appreciative practices of positive framing and generative questions. Plus, we go into very briefly the AI principles that everybody is beginning to communicate better and they're more productive and more um, creative and they're very solution oriented. So, you know, at the end of the day, you're trying, whether you're a business, you're trying to strengthen relationships and inspire engagement. If you're working in a community, even our government today is how do you make sure all the relevant voices are coming together to innovate solutions to our complex problems versus um, hearing, just hear what's wrong, what's wrong and blaming, but how do we flip that and and move forward. And I think about our homes and schools and how do you just have, um, you bring out the best in everyone. So the people in your communities are flourishing. That's what you, yeah, it's, that's it, that people are flourishing. And, you know, and I will tell you, so when we started writing this book, our first market was the members of the appreciative inquiry and positive psychology communities. Mm. And then we're like, well, also business leaders. And David Mm. talks about in the introduction, business leaders who want to build teams and organizations. Then we realized, you know, companies, all their employees and families. So we kind of brought it to the end is anyone who engages in a conversation should know how to have conversations worth having. And that title didn't come out to almost near the end of the writing process so that we had to go back through our manuscript, but it was so easy to weave it and flow it through. But that's what it was about is conversations that are life-giving. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, you surveyed people, didn't you? Because I think I was on the survey, yeah. And that obviously was the most popular, was it? Or did it by far? By far. By far, far, yeah. Well, because we all want them, right? 
So, um, so what I was also thinking about, um, Jackie and Sherry, that when I, you know, summing up the book, you actually talk about some of the key learnings are around, you know, that ideas and words and actions have impact and to really be so mindful. And again, Sherry, you, you alluded to that when you were, you know, talking about, um, the woman in the kitchen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that is you just, you know, you don't know. Um, you really do need to be mindful about the impact and how what you're going to say is going to land on somebody else. And that requires such a heightened level of consciousness and self-awareness. It does. And one of the things that's become more apparent to me is this, the idea that we we are we're never going to get to be all perfect in terms of seeing the world as as all positive and it, it we can't possibly do that cuz we're not wired that way mm. and so we should from the very beginning not not only not try to be perfect but recognize we're fighting our biological wiring yeah. when when we try to reframe everything uh, so to just be okay and let yourself say, oh, I see my first reaction is to protect myself. That's part of the fight or flight. And and then the next reaction is, and this is perfectly safe here. I can have a different conversation because I'm not under attack. Beautiful. That's lovely. Yeah. Um, and the second one was around conversations creating images which in turn create the blueprint for our future. That's an important piece as well, right? Yes, it is. And all of our words when we speak trigger, they trigger both parts of the brain, but when you use words that trigger imagery, you can't negate it by saying don't or not this because that's processed in two different parts of the brain. And so The language you're using, um, if it's image-based, it will will trigger those images in the brain, and we are compelled to move towards those those images. Mm -hmm. And that's why using words and images about what it is we want, where it is we want to go together, is so powerful. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And then, um, Jackie, you also talk about, you know, you know, choice points. Every conversation really is a choice point. We have choices and options available to us as a key learning. Yeah, you know, it's you. You have a choice, and when I think of when I think of this, I want to point out. Um, we talk briefly about the AI principles, and that your words create your world. Mm. Your conversation. Conversations create your world and you have a choice in the words that you can use. And every time you ask a question, you're impacting somebody. That's the simultaneity principle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the imagery when you talked about is what we see is what we expect. What are we trying to look for in the power of imagery? And you have a choice in how you see things and say things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the sci- I want to say the science, we actually added a chapter in the book that we didn't intend initially to have that talks about um, it feels magical, but we call it it's not magic, it's science, Mm -hmm. because there is a lot of science behind this. Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah. I mean, thank God we know about neuroplasticity, right? (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And that, you know, we can keep learning and changing. That's so good. And And my favorite... Yeah, go ahead, Jackie. I was going to say my favorite one is that this, this, these types of conversations will add years to your life because they're very healthy and uplifting. Yes, yes. and they're rewiring our brains in lots of ways, so that helps as they well, are. right? And so yes. that comes down to the last um, um, fourth um, key learning that I took away from the book, and that is that you know everything's nothing static; everything is dynamic and fluid. Yeah. Can I just add one one thing to that? Please do. Um, I. Okay, very quickly, I was listening to an NPR program uh, yesterday, um, and they were, they were interviewing a physicist, Carlo Rovelli, who has written a book called Seven Brief Lessons in Physics. And one of the things that struck me deeply that is so related to this book, Conversations Worth Having, is that physics now has come to the place where The universe is not made up of matter. It's not made up even of just energy. The universe is made up of interactions. Mm -hmm. Um, And interactions, when it comes to people, is conversations. That's Mm -hmm. what our universe is made up of. Mm -hmm. That was very exciting for me. Very exciting, Yeah. 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 So remember at the beginning I asked the audience about the kind of conversations that they're having and what might be the percentage of worthwhile conversations or conversations worth having for them um, or not. And so I, I think in the book you do talk about what's desirable, right? What's a good, healthy percentage um, to shift your conversations towards conversations worth having. What was that? Um, we use science tells us to follow the 80-20 rule, 80% positive emotions and imagery to 20% negative, that it will support well-being and excellence for people and groups and, and the um, organization, the communities. Great. So that's what we should all be striving for. 80% of our conversations are worth, make sure that they're worth having conversations. Having, yes. <laughs> That's great. And if you want to find out how to do that, you go out and you buy this book um, because you'll find all the tools and the tips and the, and the practices and the principles and the process in there. It's really, it's worth reading. So I wondered if there's anything else you might like to say about your lovely book, um, both Jackie and Sherry, by way of um, conclusion, like your experiences, your hopes, your aspirations, or how might you um, bring our conversation to a close today? I just think that um, with awareness and daily practice, you're going to be able to um, make a positive impact on people you have conversations with, and it will change your life, your work, eventually the world that you operate in, and that they have the um, conversations worth having have the potential to create really long-lasting change. And I would just add... If you do nothing else, practice getting curious and really challenging your own mindset to be open and ask questions. And when you begin to ask questions that move in a positive direction, you will be amazed at how it shifts your relationships and what's possible. And that will just make you want more. 
Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, because it's in it's through our words and in our relationships that we co-construct our our being together. So exactly. that's awesome. So I just want to remind people that um, you'll find links to the book, to both to Sherry and to Jackie and lots of other goodies on the show notes page of this episode. So if you're listening in and you just wanted to key in, it's positivitystrategist.com slash PS93. And that's a shortcut code to go directly to the show notes page where you'll be able to access all these resources. Um, and um, make sure that you're able to find the link to download or, or to go and purchase the book. So um, thank you both very much. It's been so exciting to talk to you about this lovely publication and I wish you lots and lots of success, but not only you, but I wish everyone who reads it lots of really fantastic conversations going forward. Thank you so much, Robin. I really appreciate your interviewing us. Yes, Robin, um, you're one of the people we highlight in the acknowledgments because you have been so uplifting through your positive strategies to just keep getting the word out on appreciative inquiry and all the ways to apply it. So thank you for your spirit of generosity in your time. I appreciate that, both of you. Thank you. Also, you can be notified of new episodes by email. Links to all these suggestions are available on positivitystrategist.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening and remember, what you focus on grows, so grow towards your best.